Well, uh, good morning again. I have uh, the privilege this morning of giving forth God's word and a message that it makes it an important day for us. Um, this morning we came together for a very important reason, and that was to dedicate young Thomas, him and his, and his life to uh, our Lord and Savior, that he, God would uh, uh, look upon him, find favor with him, bring him into his family. Lord, that, uh, that, that uh, what we did today, though, the, the physical act, the prayers, and, or the, the activity itself is just temporary. I mean, tomorrow it's gone. But it is the supernatural, the spiritual effect that we pray that it would take hold throughout his young life and to all of our lives throughout eternity. That those results would show itself that it would be in the presence of God throughout his life and throughout our, all of ours. It's an effect that this morning we focused on Thomas, but it's something that we all need to do. Dedicate ourselves to our Lord and Savior. He was dedicated, after all, in the fact that he came to earth, that he came with the sole purpose of giving forth his life, that others would come through him into his kingdom. He was dedicated to that purpose, and he saw it through. Well, as Christians, we need to dedicate ourselves to his service as well, that the kingdom that he has inspired upon us, that would be shown throughout our lives to others as well. Now, I have preached many sermons before, some good, some not so good. But to, this morning, as I talk about the things of, of, for Thomas and, and for us, it's a very important message uh, for us and our family. I know Thomas won't understand this. It's way over his head. But a lot of this I'm passing on to my daughter and to our husband and the parents of Thomas, that they would take this and be inspired and to raise Thomas up in the truth of God's love. It is for their, their purposes primarily that this message is being given forth and that God might bless them as God has blessed them so much already with Thomas. Thomas is being commissioned, or they are commissioned, to raise Thomas today and for, for forever uh, in the faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm just going to start with a short uh, reading from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. And the prophet writes, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and, uh, and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word be which goes forth from my mouth, will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Our prayer is that each and every time Thomas hears 
uh, God's word or sees it or reads it as he grows older, that God's word would not return to God void, but that it would mean something, that it would plant itself within Thomas's heart and bring him into the desire to follow our Lord and Savior. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, this morning as we talk of the things of faith and the things of a young life and how important it is to have uh, faith and a love for God, Lord, this morning I pray that it would be a message that we could all take to our hearts, that we would all uh, draw closer to you, that we would be uh, able to stand stronger in our faith because your word testifies to the truth of who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, our world has changed dramatically since we were young, us older folks. Uh, We used to have a thing back in the old days. It was called the Sunday Blue Laws, where it meant that all non-essential stores and activities really were closed. And they weren't just open for business and going about people's lives as they were during the rest of the week. But rather, on a Sunday, they would close. That families went to church together on a Sunday morning. That afterwards, uh, you would come home, probably have lunch, and then play or do whatever you needed to do. But there was a unity in that, in that the family was together. That they were brought together because of the circumstances that we didn't have other distractions. Sundays were meant to be a day of worship, to come together to see uh, God and to praise him. I think that, think back what life was like back then and how it is today. On a Sunday morning when we come together and we hear of the atrocity of someone shooting up a nightclub and so many people dying, did we have things like that back then? No. It was because within our society, within our world, we focused upon the things that were truly important, and that was our faith and growing closer to God. That today, because of the distractions and because of our willingness to set aside faith and worship, and church, that we have the result of the society that we have today. Today, unfortunately, in our world, most children will be out on ball fields, soccer fields, different activities that they participate in, and they'll be out there doing whatever it takes to to, to enjoy themselves. We have lost the sacredness of what a Sunday means, and the sad fact is we are reaping what we are sowing. It is an unfortunate thing to say that so many children today have not set foot into a church or into a a religious setting that they would have some sort of instruction, some sort of basis on how their life should be conducted. They are not being brought up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And the sad reality is the society and the way that we live our lives today Just simply read the newspaper, turn on the TV to watch the news. And if you're really, really brave and want to know what children are like, set foot into a classroom. We have several teachers with us today that can testify what a classroom is like when you have children who have not set foot into a church on a Sunday morning. And they are going in all different directions. So that it is for this reason that Thomas is... Uh, young life so far that I would like to, to, to look at the scripture this morning where Jesus teaches from the Sermon on the Mount 
We read in Matthew's account of that sermon, and it begins with the Beatitudes in chapter 5 of, of Matthew. And his teachings are for the kingdom. It is for a kingdom in which he is bringing in. It is for a kingdom that he is the king of. He is the king today as he was then and always will be. It is a kingdom that seeks out peace, righteousness, and joy. Not material things, not to be able to get ahead in life, not to get whatever you want, but rather to focus on the things that our king asks of us as he brings us into his kingdom. The point in which I want to focus on this morning is how Jesus concludes his sermon. So if you would, please, open up your Bibles. We will look at Matthew chapter 7. Going to look at how... Oh, I'm... I'm going to look at uh, verses 24 through 29. This is Jesus concluding his Sermon on the Mount with all the teachings that he had just given. As he stands before a people of Israel who are focused upon the law, he's giving them a greater law. He said, Moses taught you this, but I teach you this. Moses gave you the law on Mount Sinai, but here on 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 Mount of Olives, I'm giving you the kingdom law. We are to listen to the words of Jesus. As he has taught, he concludes then, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. As Jesus taught through the Sermon on the Mount, giving the Beatitudes, he then concludes this way, Which way will you go? In whom will you set that foundation? Will it be upon the rock or will it be in the sand? Now, Thomas certainly can't make that decision for himself at this point. But his folks can, his grandparents, great-grandparents. And from those teachings that Jesus gives us and that we know, we need to direct and bring up this young life upon that rock. And I'm asking his parents this morning to really dedicate. The dedication really is for the parents. That they would dedicate themselves to bringing up Thomas in this way. That his feet would be set securely upon uh, the rock. Jesus tells us that everyone who hears these words and acts upon them are likened to a wise man. Well... When you hear these words, you can either be a wise man or you can be a fool. And, and you know that his teachings are, are true. These words of his um, 
are not the few that we read just here in this little section, but all of what he has said throughout chapter 7 here and throughout our Bible. John in his gospel begins by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that had come into being. John, as he begins his gospel, is making it abundantly clear that the word in which he is speaking of is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That the words that we read from the very beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, that each one represent and show us who our Lord and Savior is. It is not just one verse, but the whole book. And that's when we understand that we need to have him to set our feet upon him, upon his word, and that that word is the sure foundation, the rock. We read in the Old Testament about King David, a man after God's own heart, the scriptures tell us. Well, he certainly knew who that rock was. He knew the second person of the Trinity, even then, as he writes in Psalm 31, For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. Jesus is that rock and our fortress. He is the one upon that we we should establish our lives. In the world that is constantly being tossed about with different thoughts and different ideas and which way to go, we are sort of like a, a ship floundering in the seas without a keel, not knowing what direction to head in. The storms of life come our way no matter who we are. They are eventually come even to Thomas Unfortunate as unfortunate as that sounds, every one of us needs to have some sort of sure foundation when that storm comes. These things may come upon him as little minor things of scraping his knee or even issues of school or dating or things of life. No matter how big or no matter how small that problem may be, as long as the feet are set upon the solid foundation of the rock, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mind you, it's not the actor Dwayne Johnson. Please, don't get him confused. The rock is Jesus Christ. How many times in our lives have we heard the words of Jesus and not acted on them? As in verse 26 that we just read, tells us that the foolish one is the one who sets their foundation on sand so that when those storms come, we just completely fall apart. Whether it's a small storm as a a little wind and rain or as mighty as the hurricane Sandy, that can shake the very foundations and we can come down all too easily. Too often we heard of those who face storms in their lives and are unable to cope with it. That their foundation is not strong and sure, that it's not built on the rock. And that rather than setting your feet in that foundation on Jesus, they set it on expectations in their lives. Whether it might be that they'd get into the greater, the better school to get the education, to get the job, to get, make more money, to set their goals on those things 
that, that just fall apart here on earth. And when they do set their, their ideals on those things and they do fall apart, they do become all too often lost. We see other times where towns, especially in the Midwest, when tornado, tornado, tornadoes will come upon a town and wipe them clean. And you can see all the rubble in the houses and everything is gone. But there are folks who stand there in front of that rubble and will give testimony and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ because they have their lives. You can look behind them and see that everything they've ever owned, whether it's the house, their possessions, have blown away. But that foundation of theirs, set on the right rock, gives them the strength and the ability to come back, to rejoice, and to give thanks. Prayerfully, this message is of importance to Thomas eventually in his life, and that faith will take effect, and we will see him as he grows and, and becomes a young fella and then a man and And how wonderful it would be that he would be able to know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To be able to spread that gospel, the good news. So often, so quickly, our society turns away from the things of faith and rather into a humanistic perspective where there is no absolute truth. You can talk to so many people out there. Tell me, what is true? Well... What's true for me may not be true for you, but both truths are true, and it's perfectly okay that your truth is contradictory to my truth, but they're both true. Doesn't make sense. There is one absolute truth, and we have that absolute truth in God's word. This word, his word, does not change. It is the the foundation in which we can test all things. We read in John's Gospel again, I, Jesus speaking, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. God's word is absolute truth. Psalm 119 verse 105 tells us, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God has provided for us, each and every one of us, a compass for our lives. We know that when you go taking a journey, whether it's into the woods or the mountains or out on the water, that you have a trusty compass, that you can look at that point and know and trust that it's always pointing north, that you can direct yourself accordingly. Well, when you have God's word and read it and look at it and comprehend it, it is a compass unto our lives because the way that this points each and every time that you can trust is towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That it is through our Bibles. We can see him, we can direct our lives to him, and we don't get lost. Throughout my life, having grown up uh, back in the old days, church was an integral part of my life. Each Sunday there was church. Uh, I think it was Saturday mornings. There was catechism classes. I even went to parochial school for my junior high grades. I led on retreats in the high school days uh, down the block here at uh, St. Ursula's Convent and and had uh, a, a, a pretty good foundation, I would say. But one of the storms that really rocked my boat and my world was when my mom passed away. I kind of floundered dramatically. 
And I had an opportunity to go and talk to uh, someone who represents the faith, and he asked many questions. And I walked away with even more questions. No answers. I, I, was, I was left floundering still. That, that, that was just one of life's storms that came my way. But when I came to understand the Lord and Savior through his word, I found the answers. They were there all the time. They're not hidden. They're not some, some sort of journey that you need to climb the highest mountain to ask a guru what the answer is. It lies right here between the pages of our Bibles that we can be directed. You can look towards an institution and you can look for answers there. But you might walk away with even more questions. It is through this book, seeing seeing the truths that lie within it, that we can find the true course. Now that I've uh, uh, am older and have the the pleasure and the true blessing to become a father and and then a grandfather, I am secure in knowing that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is in the revelation of His Word. That as we read it, we see him. We draw closer to him. We can follow him and and, and learn from him. The result of uh, uh, just the recent passing of my sister uh, has allowed me to now take possession of the family book. My mom's maiden name was Shipman. And someone, some long time ago, had put together a genealogy of the Shipman family. And as you look at this book... There are many, many people in it, um, uh, some, some good, some not so good, some, uh, many ministers that I did not know of, uh, entrepreneurs, farmers. Yeah, there's even one pirate within the family. Arr, no, I'm not on the pirate side. <laughs> but as you look at this, my mom's maiden name was Shipman. The first sentence of this book, it begins this way, Edward Shipman. The settler came to America with Englishmen who were seeking liberty to worship God as they chose. Edward settled uh, settled out, oh, settled uh, Old Saybrook or Saybrook, uh, Connecticut, and that was about 1639, which was founded as a refuge for Puritan noblemen who were persecuted in England. So you could even see back then how important it is to have this lineage of faith. As you look through uh, this book, you'll see, like I said, many ministers. And there's one in particular that stands out to me. I'd just like to share a little bit about his life. His name was the Right Reverend Herbert Shipman. He was born on August 3rd, 1869. And he died in March, uh, March 23rd of 1930. He assisted his father at Christ Church in New York City. Later, he became the rector of a church called the Church of Heavenly Rest, which is still in New York City. He was chaplain of the U.S. Army back in 1896. He was chaplain of West Point Military Academy for 10 years, and he became chaplain of the 104th Field Artillery from the years of 1917 to 18. He went to France during World War I as senior chaplain of the First Army. He was in two major engagements and lost the sight of one eye as a result of being gassed. Afterwards, he continued uh, as a suffragan bishop in his church in New York City until his death. 
Now on his death, which was on a Sunday, he preached and confirmed 45 people. And while at West Point, he wrote a book on verses. Now this I get a kick out of. I'll read you the verse. Two hands. Two hands reached up to God, and one was gaunt, and one with jewels shone. In one he placed the thing it asked, and one God held within his own. Now, for those who may have come to Jessica and Kevin's wedding, you might have heard a poem that I had written for, for Jess and, and Kevin for their wedding, and it had to do with hands. You can see that I imagine this theme runs through the, the family as well. It's a family tradition. Well, uh, Bishop uh, Herbert Shipman was married in 1899, and he never had any children, though. But I would think that because of his ministry, because of his service to our Lord, that the kingdom today is filled with his children. We read in Exodus 3.6, God speaking to Moses in the form of a burning bush, who is also called the angel of the Lord, whom we would know as the second person of the Trinity, Jesus before the manger. Says to, God says, says to uh, Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God worked through a bloodline through his people, Israel, so long ago. And now today, because of our Lord, he is able to work through Jesus Christ to bring people into his kingdom, not of a particular bloodline, but from any bloodline. It is when we read that uh, the word became flesh, then that flesh was in, this, in the form of Jesus through his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and his return, that God still works to bring children into fellowship with him, not through a genealogy of bloodline, but rather through faith by his grace. It is because of Jesus that we seek, can seek God, and we can see him and live. We look at the way that the Israelites had longed to be able to see God, to have his face shine upon them. But today, we do have that privilege of being able to open our Bibles to read of the things of God and to see the face of Jesus. So from, uh, from the, the time that uh, Kevin and Jessica announced that they were going to have a baby, we didn't know, boy or girl, who it might be. <clears throat> we were certainly blessed with Thomas. Uh, from that moment on, Thomas or who that child might be, was in prayer. And we prayed that God's blessings would be upon him and his parents as they raise him. Instill in, uh, in Thomas that that rock, the fortress for his life, is set solidly in Jesus. It is the most important thing that we can do for our children. It's to allow them to raise and to grow in the faith of Jesus Christ. Otherwise... All is lost it is the only way to salvation. Um, so that though this, this sermon kind of was directed to the family, I pray that it would also touch your hearts as well. That when we understand our lives through Jesus Christ, and when we walk in the light of his word, 
that even though in our lives we may stumble, we do not fall. For that word picks us up. Being a grandfather uh, is a great blessing. God certainly uh, has blessed me with that. As a matter of fact, just to share a little bit, last night we got to babysit Thomas, and he wore us out. And he's, he's a bundle of energy, but it's great. We love being with him. Never pass that up. We go home, and we have little Dakota to hold and to, to feed and take care of there. Oh, my gosh. The greatest treasure is to have that little one in your arms and to know that your child's child is before you. Such a blessing, such a blessing. So may God be praised in all that we have said and all that we have read, and that all honor and glory go to him. Amen. Thank you. All right, we'll conclude with a hymn. Okay.